0: You're back. I'm back. For another session, and I want to thank you. You're welcome. I, but I do have one very important question, and I didn't prepare you for it.
1: Now, are you ready for a smarty answer, or is this a smarty question? Um, no,
0: I'm asking you a, a question. Did you have your most treasured wife cards made? There's been ample amount of time from the last session. No,
1: I have not yet done that.
0: Okay. That's fine. Okay, so yes, Amy couldn't be with us this session, so you are filling in, and I thank you. You're welcome. Uh, we are... How are you doing, by the way?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. The big the big football game is tomorrow. I know in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean anything, but it's still exciting no, to, to get excited about it.
1: It doesn't, but, you know, I dig it. I dig it. Niners are going to win. Well, we'll see. I'm taking them plus three.
0: So you think they'll win by three points? At least. Uh, we'll see. It's gonna be close. It's gonna be close. We are going to be talking about 1 Kings 12 through 16, and then the parallel verses of 2 Chronicles 10 through 16. Okay. But first, let's recap. Well, actually, let's let's say our prayer first. Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for letting us share Your Word with so many people. Please, whoever needs to hear this, let let them hear it and and let them know all about you and be more like you. Please be with everyone who who needs you today and this week. Just wrap them in your arms and and give them love and warmth and whatever, whatever they need, strength, health, whatever it may be. Please guide us in our conversation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Amen.
0: Okay, so we will recap Ecclesiastes, which you and I spoke about last time. Now Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes near the end of his reign, reflecting on the entire course of his life, showed that certain paths in life lead to emptiness. True satisfaction comes from knowing that what we are doing is part of God's purpose for our life. The term chasing the wind was used often. Meaning if God isn't involved in what you're doing, you're chasing the wind. Uh, In the notes, I I especially liked when it said, The secret to peace with God is to discover, accept, and appreciate God's perfect timing. And then finally, also in the notes, We need a spirit of trust and adventure, facing life's risks and opportunities with God-directed enthusiasm and faith. Now, was there anything else from Ecclesiastes that stood out to you that you wanted to talk about? No. Okay.
1: No, I appreciate your asking, though.
0: Yeah. Okay, so moving on, before Ecclesiastes and then after Song of Songs, we read just a little bit of 1 Kings 11. And to recap that, the Lord warned the Israelites to not marry foreign women due to their love of foreign gods. And King Solomon did not listen. The Lord was not pleased. Jeroboam was one of Solomon's trusted leaders.
1: How do you say that again?
0: Jeroboam. Jeroboam. Yes. Thank you. The prophet, uh, I'm going to say Ahijah. It could be Ahijah, but I'm going to say Ahijah. Okay. Passed on the Lord's message to Jeroboam that he was to become the leader of ten tribes of Israel while Solomon's son Rehoboam, would only rule over two tribes. Solomon attempted to kill Jeroboam, so he fled until Solomon died.
1: Wait, say that last part again.
0: Okay. So Solomon Solomon heard that Jeroboam was going to take over ten of the kingdoms. He was going to be in charge of more than his rightful son. And so he attempted to kill Jeroboam?
1: His father.
0: No, Jeroboam... I know it's very similar. Jeroboam was, the, was like the assistant. He was a trusted leader.
1: Kings, okay.
0: Rehoboam was his son. Okay. So when he heard that Jeroboam, not his son, was yeah. going to take over most of the tribes, he was going to have Jeroboam killed. Okay. So Jeroboam took off until Solomon died. Okay. So that's where we're picking up.
1: Till King Solomon died.
0: Until King Solomon died.
1: But how did he take care of King Solomon's son who wanted him dead?
0: No, no, no. King Solomon wanted him dead. Rehoboam wasn't in... I, not that I know of was involved in this.
1: Okay. I follow you now.
0: You understand what I I'm I do saying? now. Okay. Fair I, enough. I
1: thought the son was trying to kill.
0: No, and that would make sense, but... From what we read, from what it says in the Bible, it was Solomon that was not pleased. Gotcha. So King Solomon was going to have Jeroboam taken out. Now I have you. Okay. Okay. All right, so let's dig into 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 1 through 20. And this section is titled, The Northern Tribes Revolt. Now, King Solomon has died, and his son Rehoboam was now king. Jeroboam returned from hiding and went to speak to Rehoboam. Can you please read 1 Kings chapter 12 verses 3 and 4?
1: 3 and 4. The leaders of Israel summoned him and Jeroboam, and the whole assembly of Israel went to speak with Rehoboam. Your father was a hard master, they said. Lighten the harsh labor demands and heavy taxes that your father imposed on us. Then we will be your loyal subjects.
0: Okay, so Jeroboam has has approached Rehoboam, and he's he's telling that to him. So Rehoboam wanted three days to think it over. He spoke to his older counselors, who advised him to give a favorable answer, and to his younger advisors, who were also his friends. And they recommended making the people work even harder. So Rehoboam sided with his younger advisors, And in the notes, it said, Rehoboam asked for advice, but he didn't carefully assess what he was told. If he had, he would have realized that the advice offered by the elders was wiser than that of his peers. To evaluate advice, ask if it is realistic, workable, and consistent with biblical principles. Determine if the results of following the advice will give a positive solution or direction, make improvements, and be fair. Seek counsel from those who are wiser and more experienced. Advice is helpful only if it is consistent with God's standards. So the Israelites were not pleased with Rehoboam's decision. And Rehoboam had sent, now his name is Adoniram. Rehoboam sent him to restore order because the Israelites were upset by this news. And the Israelites ended up killing him. So King Rehoboam fled after hearing this news, and Jeroboam was then then made king of Israel. Does that make sense? Makes sense. I know it can get a little confusing.
1: Yep, I think I'm following.
0: Okay. Now in the notes it said, This marks the beginning of the division of the kingdom that lasted for centuries of Israel's 12 tribes. Ten followed Jeroboam and called their new nation Israel, or the Northern Kingdom. Only the tribes of Judah and Benjamin remained loyal to Rehoboam and called their nation Judah, or the southern kingdom. So now we have a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The kingdom did not split overnight. It was already dividing as early as the days of the judges because of tribal jealousies, especially between Ephraim, the most influential tribe of the north, and Judah, the chief tribe of the south. Now, did you have any questions or comments on that before we move on to the parallel verse? No. Okay. So 2 Chronicles chapter 10, verses 1-19 through 19 is the parallel verse, and it is essentially the same. In the notes, it said, In trying to have it all, Rehoboam lost almost everything. Motivated by greed and power, he pressed too hard and divided his kingdom. He didn't need more money or power because he had inherited the richest kingdom in the world. He didn't need more control because he was the king. His demands were based on selfishness rather than reason or spiritual discernment. Those who insist on having it all often wind up with little or nothing. Okay, so we're going to move on to 1 Kings chapter 12 verses 21 through 24. And this section is called Shemaiah's prophecy. I hope I pronounced that right. Rehoboam gathered men from the tribes of Judah and Benjamin, so the southern kingdom, to fight the men of Israel in order to regain control. But the prophet Shemaiah told him not to. The Lord did not want Rehoboam fighting amongst his relatives. And Rehoboam listened. That's essentially what happened in that section. Did you have any questions?
1: So who told them not to fight? The Lord. The Lord did. Oh, right.
0: The Lord didn't want them fighting. And then the parallel verse, 2 Chronicles chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Once again, this one is essentially the same. And in the notes, it said, Rehoboam's foolishness divided his kingdom, and he tried to reunite it by force. True unity, however, cannot be forced. It must be the free response of willing hearts. If you want the loyalty of employees, children, or anyone else in your charge, win their respect through love instead of trying to gain their submission through force. Hmm. Anything for there? No. No comments. Just,
1: uh, just absorbing it and taking it in.
0: Okay, well, let me know. We're moving on to First Kings chapter 12, verses 25 through 33. Jeroboam makes gold calves. Now... Maybe I I you may you may know this. Remember in the story of Moses when Moses went up on the mountain,
1: yeah, false idols.
0: False idols and his brother agreed to making the golden calves mm-hmm. while they were waiting for Moses to come back down. So more gold calves are being made here. Jeroboam was worried about losing his power. So remember Jeroboam is now in charge of the 10 tribes.
1: The original son. You
0: no, know, he was the Helper. Helper.
1: Rehoboam was the son. Correct.
0: Ah. That's okay. All right. Maybe we could remember it by uh, Rehoboam was the rightful heir. Okay. Does that help? That helps. Okay. Jeroboam was worried about losing his power. He feared his people would give their allegiance to Rehoboam when traveling to offer sacrifices at the temple. His counselors advised making two gold calves giving the Israelites an option to worship those instead of traveling. The calves were placed on either side of his kingdom, and common priests were also ordained, not those from the tribe of Levi. Because previously, only those from the tribe of Levi could be made priests. They they could only be ordained priests. Uh, But now, Jeroboam is just letting common people, not from the tribe of Levi, priests so that's a big no-no all right now in the notes it said jewish men were required to travel to the temple three times each year but jeroboam set up his own worship centers and told his people it was too much trouble to travel all the way to jerusalem those who obeyed jeroboam were disobeying god some ideas though practical may include suggestions that lead you away from god don't let anyone talk you out of doing what is right by telling you that moral actions are not worth the effort. Do what God wants, no matter what the cost in time, energy, reputation, or resources. Okay, any questions there? No. Okay, so we'll move on to 2 Chronicles chapter 11, verses 5-17. through 17. Rehoboam strengthened the towns of Judah and Benjamin with weapons and food. Priests from the tribe of Levi were not welcome among Jeroboam's people, so they lived within Judah and Benjamin. Let's see. Oh, okay. So Second Chronicles 11, verses 16 and 17 say, From all the tribes of Israel, those who sincerely wanted to worship the Lord, the God of Israel, followed the Levites to Jerusalem, where they could offer sacrifices to the Lord, the God of their ancestors. This strengthened the kingdom of Judah, and for three years they supported Rehoboam, son of Solomon. For during excuse me, for during those years they faithfully followed in the footsteps of David and Solomon. First Kings chapter thirteen verses one through thirty four. This section is titled A Prophet Denounces Jeroboam. And if you could please read uh, verses one through three, please.
1: At the Lord's command, a man of God from Judah went to Bethel, arriving there just as Jeroboam was approaching the altar to burn incense. Then, at the Lord's command, he shouted, O altar, altar, this is what the Lord says. A child named Josiah will be born into the dynasty of David. On you he will sacrifice the priests from the pagan shrines who come here to burn incense, and human bones will be burned on you. That same day, the man of God gave a sign to prove his message. He said, the Lord has promised to give this sign. This altar will split apart and its ashes will be poured out on the ground.
0: Now, King Jeroboam, he wasn't pleased and pointed to have the man taken away. But while doing so, his hand became paralyzed and a crack in the altar appeared and the ashes poured out. Jeroboam pleaded to the prophet for God to restore his hand. Uh, and it was he prayed to god and his his hand was restored and then in first kings chapter 13 verses 33 and 34 it says but even after this jeroboam did not turn from his evil ways he continued to choose priests from the common people he appointed anyone who wanted to become a priest for the pagan shrines this became a great sin and resulted in the utter destruction of jeroboam's dynasty from the face of the earth Okay, so 1 Kings chapter 14, verses 1 through 18, Ahijah Ahijah's prophecy against Jeroboam. So the prophet relayed a message from the Lord to Jeroboam's wife. If you could please read 1 Kings chapter 14, verses 7 through 11, please.
1: Give your husband, Jeroboam, this message from the Lord, the God of Israel. I promoted you from the ranks of the common people and made you ruler over my people, Israel. I ripped the kingdom away from the family of David and gave it to you. But you have not been like my servant, David, who obeyed my commands and followed me with all his heart and did whatever I wanted. You have done more evil than all who lived before you. You have made other gods for yourself, and you have made me furious with your gold calves. And since you have turned your back on me, I will bring disaster on your dynasty and will destroy every one of your male descendants, slaves, and free alike, anywhere in Israel. I will burn up your royal dynasty as one burns up trash until it is all gone. The members of Jeroboam's family who die in the city will be eaten by dogs, and those who die in the field will be eaten by vultures, I, the Lord, have spoken. So I have a question. Sure. Why did, da- why did God rip away the kingdom of David if David had done and been completely obedient?
0: Well, he didn't completely rip it away. That's why he had Rehoboam uh, be in charge of the two tribes. So David's line wasn't completely taken out of the equation. Because he had been so obedient, he wasn't going to, um, you know, take him out. Plus, you know, that's Jesus's line. So that had to remain in there. Okay. Does that help? Yeah. Okay. Moving to First Kings chapter 14, verses 21 through 24, Rehoboam rules in Judah. And in this section, Rehoboam was king of the southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin for 17 years. The Lord was not pleased because his people built pagan shrines and conduct, conducted in other nefarious behavior. So neither one of them were totally obedient. They were both doing things that were not pleasing to the Lord. And in the parallel verse, 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, it's, in, it's interesting because usually Second Chronicles provides more details, but in this case, First Kings provided more details regarding what the people of Judah were taking part in. And in the notes it said, Rehoboam's story is tragic because he did not seek the Lord with all his heart. How tragic a description of the grandson of David, who had been called a man after God's own heart. It is dangerous to put off responding to God. God asks us for a firm commitment and unless we respond by trusting him completely, we will find ourselves alienated from him. Do you have anything, any questions or comments? No. Okay. Starting about right here, Amy and I talked it over a little bit for the remainder of Kings. We are going to skim a little bit because this is a basic Bible study and you you can get very bogged down into each king because there's a lot of them. And by no means are we saying anyone is less important than the other. But we just don't want to get bogged down. So we, if you find us skimming over some parts, that's what we chose to do. For example, in 2nd Chronicles chapter 11 verses 18 through 23 where it spoke about Rehoboam's family, uh, we didn't have any notes for that. So we're going to move on to 1st Kings chapter 14 verses 25 through 28. Egypt invades Judah. While King Rehoboam was still in charge, King Shishak of Egypt invaded and stole everything in the temple. Rehoboam did not replace items with gold, but bronze. And in the notes it said, when Rehoboam came to power, he inherited a mighty kingdom. Everything he could ever want was given to him. But apparently he did not recognize why he had so much or how it it had been obtained. To teach Rehoboam a lesson, God allowed Shishak of Egypt to invade Judah and Israel. Egypt was no longer the world power it had once been, and Shishak, possibly resenting Solomon's enormous success, was determined to change that. Shishak's army was not strong enough to destroy Judah and Israel, but he weakened them so much that they were never the same again. And then another note from that section, just five years after Solomon died, the temple and palace were ransacked by foreign invaders. How quickly the glory, power, and money disappeared. When the people became spiritually corrupt and immoral, it was just a short time until they lost everything. Wealth, idol worship, and immorality have become more important to them than God. When God is gone from our lives, everything else becomes useless, no matter how valuable it seems. That is just crazy to think about because so much thought, so many exact measurements and and items and people and resources were involved in building the temple and putting it together together. And to think in five years, only five years, Yeah. it fell apart. Okay, so the parallel verse is 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. And here we get much more detail. Of verse 1, it says, But when Rehoboam was firmly established and strong, he abandoned the law of the Lord, and all Israel followed him in this sin. So we just get more bits and pieces of information in Second Chronicles. And then would you mind reading verse 12, please?
1: Because Rehoboam humbled himself, the Lord's anger was turned away, and he did not destroy him completely. There were still some good things in the land of Judah.
0: And in the notes it said, God lessened his judgment when Israel's leaders confessed their sins, humbled themselves, and recognized God's justice in punishing them. It's never too late to repent, even in the midst of punishment. Regardless of what we have done, God is willing to receive us back into fellowship. Are you struggling and alone because sin has broken your fellowship with God? Confession and humility will open the door to receiving God's mercy. Okay, 1 Kings chapter 14, verses 29 through 31. It was a summary of Rehoboam's reign. And essentially, Rehoboam has died, and his son Abijah, or Abijah was now king. And then the parallel verse, 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verses 15 and 16, is essentially the same. Uh, you have know, a question. Sure.
1: And it's, I'm looking at 2 chron- Second Chronicles chapter 13, mm-hmm. verses 1 through 22. Okay. My eyes just caught it. Yes. I wasn't looking for it. But I've noticed this is now the... Interestingly enough, the third time that the number three has come up, and I didn't know if that had any biblical, ref- any biblical uh, what's the word I'm looking for, relevance. Like here it says, Ab- I'm going to mispronounce it, Abijah began to rule over Judah in the 18th year of Jeroboam's reign in Israel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He reigned in Jerusalem three years. And then there was another reference to three years, and then there was a reference to when uh, when the people came to them, came to the king, and said, "You know, will you lessen our workload? Will you reduce our taxes?" And he said, "Give me three days to consider it." Yeah,
0: you know what? That's that's really good. I'm so, I'm looking it up right now. And I
1: didn't know if the number three had some mm-hmm. relevance.
0: One obvious meaning of the number three is the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In a general sense, number three in the Bible also signifies growth and reproduction. There were three apostles of God, Peter, John, and James, who followed Jesus. Numbers have extreme symbolic purposes in the Bible, and number three stands out as one of the most prominent ones. It tends to symbolize harmony and wholeness. The number three appears in the Bible 467 times, fewer than the number seven, but more than most of the other symbolically important numbers. Sometimes three is used as an emphatic, Semitic triplet to describe the intensity of something. It's not just holy, it's holy, holy, holy. But there's a lot of good stuff on this. God says something three times. We see God repeating a phrase three times in several places in scripture.
1: When Jesus was being judged, he said, You deny me three times.
0: You're on it. That's very good. Three patriarchs. In scripture, we have three patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These were the fathers of the Israelite nation, God's people. In Revelation 14, 6 through 16, we encounter three angels. The first tells all the earth to worship God, the second declares the fall of Babylon. And the third declares that anyone who receives the mark of the beast will receive God's wrath. Yeah, that's really good. I bet you you could just do a whole study on, you could go your whole life and study numbers in the Bible and what they signify. Thank you so much for for bringing that up. No problem. That's great. Okay, so we were talking about Rehoboam has died and now his son was king. 2 Chronicles chapter twelve fifteen through sixteen. The parallel verse was essentially the, the same, and so then okay, we're going to skim a little bit. First Kings chapter fifteen, verses one through eight, uh, where his son rules in Judah, and then the parallel Second Chronicles thirteen one through twenty two. The parallel verse says in the notes some kings in Judah's history focused on God, but not one Israelite king consistently followed God. All followed Jeroboam's idolatry or served Baal. As a result, Israel experienced God's punishment many years before Judah did. Judah had an advantage. The temple, with its sacrifices and the loyal priests and prophets, was in the southern kingdom. Many of Judah's kings were good, at least for parts of their reigns. Whenever an idolatrous king reigned, His rule was later followed by that of a God-honoring king who reformed religious life. Also, the idolatrous kings usually served for a much shorter time than the good ones. The result was that true faith in God ran stronger and deeper in Judah than in Israel, but it was still not up to God's standards. In 1 Kings chapter 15 verses 9 through 15, Asa rules in Judah. We're going to just kind of skim over that. And then the parallel verse, 2 Chronicles chapter 14, 1-8, in the notes it said Judah had peace with all her neighbors. Times of peace are not just for resting, they allow us to prepare for times of trouble. King Asa recognized the period of peace as the right time to build his defenses. The moment of attack would be too late. It is also difficult to withstand spiritual attack unless defenses are prepared beforehand. Decisions about how to face temptation must be made with cool heads long before we feel the heat of temptation. Build your defenses now before temptation strikes. Moving to 1 Kings chapter 14, verses 19 and 20. This is the end of Jeroboam's reign in Israel. He ruled for 22 years and his son became the next king. 1 Kings chapter 15, verses 25 and 26 we're going to skim over 1 Kings chapter 15, 27 through 34. There was constant war between Judah and Israel. We are, so now we're diving into descendants of Rehoboam and Jeroboam as rulers of their respective lands. In the notes it said all the descendants of Jeroboam were killed because Jeroboam had led Israel into sin. Sin is always judged harshly, but the worst sinners are those who lead others into doing wrong. Jesus said it would be better if such people had millstones tied around their necks and were thrown into the sea. And that's from Mark 9:42. If you've taken the responsibility for leading others, remember the consequences of leading them astray. Teaching the truth is a responsibility that goes with the privilege of leadership. 2 Chronicles chapter 14 verses 9 through 15. This section is titled Judah Battles the Ethiopians. And in the notes it says if you are facing battles you feel you can't possibly win, don't give up. In the face of a vast horde of enemy soldiers, King Asa prayed for God's help, recognizing his powerlessness against such a mighty army. The secret of victory is first to admit the futility of unaided human effort and then to trust God to save. His power works best through those who recognize their limitations. And they, um, they notate 2 Corinthians twelve nine there. It is those who think they can do it all on their own who are in the greatest danger. Moving to 2 Chronicles chapter 15, 1-9, and then 1 Kings chapters 15, 16-22, we're going to skim over. The parallel verse is 2 Chronicles chapter 16 verses 1 through 10, and in verse 9 it says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. What a fool you have been. From now on you will be at war. And the note says, Both Judah and Israel suffered from faithless forgetfulness. Although God had delivered them even when they were outnumbered, they repeatedly sought help from pagan nations rather than from God. It is not sin to use human means to solve our problems, but it is sin to trust them more than God, to think they are better than God's ways, or to leave God completely out of the problem-solving process. 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 1-7. through 7, In the notes it said, God had destroyed Jeroboam's descendants for their flagrant sins. And yet Basha, who's now one of the descendants, he's a king, repeated the same mistakes. He did not learn from the example of those who had gone before him. He did not stop to think that his sin would be punished. Make sure you learn from your past, the experiences of others, and the lives of those whose stories are told in the Bible. Don't repeat mistakes. And then also, I'm going to put this up on Facebook because our Bible has a really great insert The Appeal of Idols. The Appeals of Idols and Modern... What does that say? Modern... Parallels?
1: Modern Parallel.
0: Okay, and so you have Power, Pleasure, Passion, and...
1: Praise and Popularity.
0: Yeah, it's really good. So I'll put that on the Facebook page. And then finally... Uh, we have First Kings chapter sixteen eight through fourteen and First Kings chapter sixteen fifteen through twenty. It's just more descendants ruling, and we're going to skim over those. And that's all. That's all I have. That's it. That's it. it.
1: Seems a little short.
0: You know, it's like Rehoboam and Jeroboam were very important, um, and the other ones are very important too, but. I feel like we'll just be moving at a snail's pace if we go over all the kings.
1: Hey, listen, this is probably the most confused I've been of all the times I've uh, I've sat in with you. The whole Jeroboam and Rehoboam. Rehoboam.
0: And see, that's what I'm talking about is one, if we continued with that and then start, started saying, okay, well, then this descendant is from this line and this descendant is from this line and he ruled this many years and he ruled this many years... I feel as though it would have gotten too confusing. Yeah. Just knowing, okay, Jeroboam kind of came from the outside. Rehoboam came from Solomon's line. And then what their relationship was, what they did for their kingdoms. And then kind of move on until we get another major king in there.
1: Okay. I'm feeling good about it.
0: Okay. Does it make a little bit more sense? Oh, it
1: definitely makes more sense.
0: Okay. All right. So let's... Oh, did you have any... Anything else? No. Nothing else you want to talk about?
1: No. I'm good.
0: I really was hoping you'd be on those those business cards, but whatever.
1: The, uh, the uh, holographic?
0: Yeah, I know a guy who can do a holographic card for you. My treasure? My treasure, yes. Uh, he can do a, a holographic foil card.
1: Oh, so we're getting into fancy football type stuff?
0: Well, I'm just saying.
1: You want them made by say uh, who's one of them, uh, tops or?
0: Oh no, I, I'm not going that ex- extravagant. Do you I want just them
1: PSA graded.
0: <laughs> well, listen, you're going to hand out PSA graded business cards with my treasure on them.
1: If you're that if you're my treasure, yes. Wow. Well, okay. What I found interesting and, I, and I, numbers just popped out pop out at me in 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 not well I shouldn't say I'm not trying to say scripture and when I read. But going back into uh, page seven hundred five here.
0: Well, everyone has a different page, so which section uh, are you it in?
1: It is Second Chronicles, chapter thirteen, uh, verse twenty. Okay. Through twenty-two.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So Jeroboam of Israel never regained his power during Abijah's lifetime, and finally the Lord struck him down, and he died. Meanwhile, Abijah, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing that.
0: I don't know what, I don't know if it's Abijah or Abijah, I don't
1: know. um, Might be Abijah, that sounds more like it. Uh, Meanwhile, Abijah of Judah grew more and more powerful. Speaking of you being my treasure.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: He married 14 wives.
0: Yeah.
1: Had 22 sons and 16 daughters. He had 38 children. Why in the world would you have 38 children?
0: Well, okay, so back then... And why in the world would anyone want 14 wives? Back then (laughs) it was not frowned upon. Like, that's kind of what you did back then. Yeah. There were wives, there were concubines, there were lots of kids. Interesting. It's, that just, that's how it was. And God was cool with that. Yeah, God didn't frown on it. But that's a great question. But, you know, the Kings, my goodness, they had many, many, many wives. And I'm not going to get sassy. We could sit here and be sassy about it. But it's like, goodness. I mean, that's just, that's a lot of drama. And that's a lot of work for the women. I know that's kind of what they did then, but that's so much work.
1: Yeah, but I'm guessing that there were, uh, what's a fancier name for helpers?
0: Well, I mean, they were slaves. I mean, they had, yeah, slaves, they had slaves
1: Yeah, they had slaves. So if you were the king and you had 14 wives and 38 kids, I imagine that the slaves did a fair amount of the, the dirty work. That is yeah. to say, the raising of the kids or the cleaning of the... All the stuff... That, the day-to-day. The day-to-day stuff that women do today is, is part of modern society. Mm-hmm. I'm sure these queens, for lack of... I'm assuming they were queens since they are the wives of kings...
0: Were they all labeled? I wonder if they were all labeled queens. I don't if, know. Or if there was, like, a head. Was there a hierarchy? There, I bet you, listen.
1: There had to be.
0: It is human nature. The, I bet you those women had a hierarchy. Well. I'm just saying. I'm not putting words into the Bible. I'm just saying from a human look at it, there must have been a hierarchy with those women.
1: I'm sure. It would make sense if there was. I'm good. I've got nothing.
0: Oh, okay. I didn't know if you were going to keep going with that. Okay, so let's give out some information. The email is basicbiblestudy19 at gmail.com, facebook.com slash mybasicbiblestudy. And also on the Facebook page, you will find um, what we will be reading next time. So... When I read it off, you don't have to, like, furiously write it all down. It'll be up there on the Facebook page. All right. And then the website is mybasicbiblestudy.com. On there you can find, uh, as well as Facebook, but on, web- on the website you can find a lot of the major links uh, for the podcast. Okay. Okay, so next time, 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 21 through 34. 1 Kings chapter 15, 23 and 24, and the parallel is 2 Chronicles 16, 11 through 14. 2 Chronicles 17, 1 through 19, and then 1 Kings 17 through 21, 1 Kings 22, 1 through 9, and the parallel 2 Chronicles 18, 1 through 8. 1 Kings 22, 10 through 28, the parallel 2 Chronicles 18, 9 through 27. 1 Kings 2229 29 through 40, and the parallel 2 Chronicles 18, 28 through 34. 1 Kings 2251 51 through 53. 2 Chronicles 19 and 20. 2 Kings 1, 1 through 18. 2 Kings 3. 1 Kings 2241 41 through 49, and the parallel 2 Chronicles 20, 31 through 37. 1 Kings 22:50. 50. And the parallels 2 Chronicles 21, 1 through 4. 2 Kings 8, 16 through 22. And the parallels 2 Chronicles 21, 5 through 17. I know it sounds like a lot. It, like I said, it's on the Facebook page. Um, and this, where we're going to be moving through this section. Okay, so yeah, we're going to hustle through First and 2 Kings. But then we're going to move on to Jonah. How's that sound to you?
1: Sounds like a plan.
0: Okay. I don't know if you'll be back next time.
1: I may. I may not. I'm, a, I'm happy to be a, a contribution to you.
0: You know, I, I really appreciate um, you bringing up the number three. That was a really great observation. We hope everyone has a blessed week, and thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you very much.